So, this podcast is recorded in a house with animals. It's nighttime, so most of the animals are dogs and cats. And if the chickens start making noise, then I have to rush outside very, very quickly. There is a beautiful hound trying to crawl in my lap. There is. Yes. Yes. Who has the softest ears? I should mention at this juncture that... You, Internet, you have the softest ears, I'm sure. When we're not praising the softness of your ears, we do have a tendency to swear (laughs) quite a bit. And so we have marked this podcast explicit for reasons of language, not because we're going to get anything that's that explicit, just I don't know how long it's going to be before the first one of us says something obscene. So there you have it. It's a concern. Welcome to Productivity Alchemy episode 119. And this week, in a little bit, we will be talking to our friend Tango, oh, yeah. Jesse Stringer, awesome. who sat down and answered all our questions about how he stays productive. It was really cool. And then before Ow. that... Hound, get off my foot. We're going to talk about how the hound is standing on her foot, apparently. And uh, what how, how we've been productive or not this week. Uh, I I find myself in a weird position. Oh? Yeah, uh, I had this big chunk of work that I had been just throwing myself at for work. And just banging my head on it, and code reviews, and back and forth, and all of this. And it turns out, I believe Monday afternoon, I was talking to one of my coworkers, and we were like, this is how it works, and okay, but this is my real goal, so I don't actually care how it works as long as I meet this goal, and it turns out that all that work I didn't need to do in the first place. Oh, I'm sorry. No, and the one it was a great learning experience. I understand how a very new piece of our deployment methodology works, which is really cool. It's just I didn't need to do it. So well, I mean, but nothing is ever wasted. You know how it works now, and that may be useful later. Yeah, but for our internal tooling code base, it means that I have completed a very, very large body of work that everyone was like, oh, that won't take very long. It'll be good for a new person to do. And instead, it's been like three months, and I don't know how many tunings and lines of code and work I've had to put into this. I went in to our issue tracker before closing it and changed the size of it. It was uh, considered, we we do our estimations by t-shirt size. So small, medium, large, extra large. And it had been put in as a large, right? But mostly because there was going to be a lot of fiddly bits. They, they, no one, I think, expected it to require quite what it has required. So, like, the first thing I did before I closed it was change it to an extra large to better reflect the amount of work that went into it. But did you not need to do it after all? Have you spent three months on a... No, 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 no. The only thing I... I spent the last two weeks on the last piece that it turns out had basically already been done for me. Ah. Uh, it was all about making sure a particular software package is pre-installed, and I was doing it on one of our cloud providers, and it turns out that somebody had already rebuilt the image and made that one the live image, and I'm like, so all this stuff I did figuring out how to use this new piece of it that we're just now adapt- adopting and all of that is moot. Okay, but now I understand how it works. So next time, uh, yeah, I'm going to be the person who gets 
who gets asked about it probably. And I already have one person who wants to sort of sit down and talk through it so that their team can probably take over all the work I just spent two months on. Which well, that's is good. Yeah, guess, no, yeah. it's great. It's great. Um, so I can start moving to other tidbits, which is exciting. And I've heard that uh, I'm on loan to one team and I'm hearing that I'm going to be moving back to my original team soonish in that sort of speak before the end of the year, probably all it's all up in the air. So we'll find out. Uh, it's cool. It's cool. I'm excited about that. And uh, so overall, it's been frustrating, but very productive the last couple of days. And I'm in that weird space now where I finished a thing and there's been a lot of kudos and we're all really happy. I finished the thing and there's been a little bit of, you know, private internal amongst the my coworkers, you know, we've all sort of done the woohoo, finally kind of celebration. And now I'm trying to find in our uh, issue tracker, because I, we have this luxury, the next thing to work on. But I don't want to grab anything too big, because I may not be on this team long enough to complete it. But I don't want to grab something too small, because I don't think we have anything small left. Aww. So it's like I'm. I'm it's a really weird space. I'm going to talk to to my team lead about the it Goldilocks problem. The Goldilocks problem. Yeah, there's nothing just right. Yeah. Uh, so I will be talking, and of course next week I am in Toronto for our big engineering all hands. I will not have any time to meet listeners. I'm very sorry. Will you be back by Wednesday? I will not, so I will be recording uh, the next. The next show will probably just be me saying, "Here's a great interview I did with X," and that. So we will be. I'll be prepping that before I go. Cool. Uh, but over, Sergey, please don't lay on that. Please don't lay on that. Oh, Sergey's getting comfortable on my other laptop. It, it's just he happens the keyboard, which he he put his butt on the keyboard and he he made it stop recording for a second. Okay, but we're recording. It, it, we're recording again. Okay, so it's fine. I'll just have to edit that gap out, or not, and just let the internet know that our cat's a bastard. Well, they already knew that. <laughs> they already knew that. So cool. Yeah. So it's a good week and i'm really looking forward to getting out to toronto to meet my coworkers. I, again i'm really sorry there's a lot of work like evening activities for work set up so i'm not gonna get out of the the corporate bubble corporate bubble on the other hand i like my coworkers and they're awesome people so uh i'm looking forward to hanging out with a lot of people who i only know online and have never met in physical person i'm really excited cool I understand there will be beer <laughs> and poutine. Yes, I'm so, told that both of these things can be found in Canada. And I'm very happy about that, yeah. So how's your week been going? Uh, uh, it's been very busy um, mm. on a couple of fronts. Got uh, uh, lots of work on Dog Skull, had a shed delivered. Oh, yeah. Which was an epic adventure of getting stuck and... <laughs> interesting technology and me frantically sawing branches with a saw on a stick yes and then we had other friends come out and saw solar panels lots of things going on mm -hmm. and it's all been good but i've been glad to have the last couple of days to just write and yeah. i've gotten a lot of writing done which is great because 
this coming weekend, more protests. Yes. And it's... I hate how the having to be out there to protest against the people who, uh, and we have some, uh, we haven't talked about it too much here, but um, we really haven't. Yeah. Uh, our town has a large Confederate statue in front of the courthouse in the middle of town. Yep. It is kind of sucky and yep. has been, and the commissioners uh, voted to move it, mm-hmm. which is great, you know, about time. And all of a sudden, a whole bunch of groups, including Proud Boys and the League of the South, who want a white ethno state and neo Confederates and white supremacists, yes, yeah. have shown up waving Confederate flags and carrying guns, like they're all carrying guns, and it's very weird and unsettling. It's it's sort of a Charlottesville thing, except that Charlottesville is literally ten times the size of our town. We are very small, and we are mostly hippies, and uh, yeah, there's there's a large number of of people around here who are just like, I just want to grow my, my organic corn or. Yeah. Just let me be with my kombucha in peace. And so, but we can't just, you know, let people stand there waving flags and, and have people think that that's, that none of us care enough to protest. So there's a lot of counter protesting and, Kevin and I have been showing up to the counter protests a lot, yep. and it's really nerve wracking and unsettling to do. I mean, like at one point, dude drove a bulldozer tricked out in Confederate flags, and he was wearing a mask, and he was driving the bulldozer towards the protesters, and it was like, what in the ever loving hell is going on right now? We we are off the map. Yeah, and uh, no one was hurt. You know, that, uh, people stepped in front of it who have more spine than i expect i do and it was they were all significantly younger than us i'm not gonna lie (laughs) Uh, i mean one kid literally ran out into the middle of the street and sat down in the middle of the street in front of this thing carrying a sign and yeah yeah it's and the bulldozer stopped yeah and it was but like it's it's really weird to be in in the situation of this going on it's just it's very stressful, even you know, just even as I mean, I'm mostly support staff. You ask me to donate to a bail fund, I'm there. I will show up and wave a sign, but it's it's weird. This yeah. is not a thing any of us were really prepared for, and here we are doing it. So that's been you know taking up a lot of oxygen in the room, and we got another one coming, you know, Saturday. Yeah, and. Just and occasionally you just go like, "What the hell? Why is this happening?" So in on the backdrop of that, uh, and trying to work on Dog Skull and uh, trying to write books so that I have money, so yeah, that, I so can that we can work on Dog Skull. And work and, on Dog Skull. Yeah. Uh, there's, it's it's kind of a thing, and I mean, I get my work done in you know two or three hours as yep. always, and then sit around. Sort arguing of drained on and arguing on Twitter, but sort of drained. And then I'm like, you know, uh, clearly I'm not doing enough, but I. What else? <coughs> I mean, you're, you're doing as much as you can. And I think that's something that is a trap. I, yeah, I think it's the tyranny of believing that if you're not working eight hours a day, you're I'm wasting five hours because I should be working an eight-hour day. Well, no, I get all of my work done in two and a half hours, three hours of, 
you know, yeah. of fairly intensive work. And then maybe I run some errands or whatever. And that, that actually isn't what I meant. Oh, well, okay. it's, it's, I mean, there is a tyranny of the eight hour day. Believe me, I'm, I, I have a reasonably flexible schedule with where I work. So I'm not limited to, you must be at a desk eight hours nonstop in, except the days I'm on call. But there's that drive that if you aren't working, then you aren't doing anything worthwhile, I yeah. think is, is more of it. So when, I mean, you've done your work work and now somewhere in the back of your head, there's, I could, I should be writing more or I should be doing more for the, to support the protests or, or I should be painting and making money or yeah, yeah. I should be, you know, working on something else. And I just, I, I kind of don't have a lot there anymore. I mean, I'm working on three books. I fin I'm, I'm stuff is getting done, yeah. but I am used to working on, on something else and there's just nothing there. I'm just like, I want to lay around and read books. And that's, that's fine. The thing you have to watch out for is pushing yourself too hard and hitting a burnout point. And you're already, we already know you, and we've talked about this. You have anxiety, which is not going to help. No, no, and right. my anxiety is very poverty focused. So, yeah, it, it, much like Boxer the Horse, I'm like, I will work harder. Yeah, uh, anything yeah. goes wrong, I should work harder. That will yeah. solve it. And and it it may just be finding a place to channel those efforts that isn't that's and I'm putting this in air quotes work, but isn't work. Yeah, and uh, I mean, occasionally, like, my brain is like, well, maybe you should be working on more, you know, nameless sheep or something. Or, and, yeah. but even that, I'm like, oh, God. Uh, yeah. So I. Maybe you need to go to Dog Skull, where there is no signal, where it's really difficult <laughs> for you to write, and I don't know, plant. Things. Well, actually, what I probably need to do is uh, uh, get off my ass and assemble the uh, the planters. Mm, yes. Although I may actually need your help with like a drill to make of that course. happen. Because, yeah. uh, and it's not just me being lazy with drills; it's that they're four feet. Uh, uh, yeah. and it's much easier if you have two people holding. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. It's. And it'll it'll sort itself out, but just having the background radiation of mm -hmm. there are weird, freaky white supremacists in my town who want a white ethno state, and the people standing against them are me and and, and a bunch of other people, but. I know us, and we're some of us are very fierce and dedicated, and but a lot of us are just like. Dude, I I have cows. I I I go right at the coffee shop. I, I we we are such a a cross section you, you have, of wait, normal people. We have cows. Uh, Gerald's here. That keeps cows. Oh, we don't have cows. Okay, we're not getting cows. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank God. Yes. No, no, no. Cows too large. Can't deal with cows. Yes. But just you know, normal people like we get together at the protest and we look at each other and it's like. You want to show each other pictures of our chickens? And I'm like, <laughs> I, I, last last week I grabbed the wrong memory card. Uh, and so I have a whole bunch of pictures of white supremacists and amazing, gorgeous, beautiful uh, landscapes of Tibet. 
of, of Eastern <laughs> Tibet. And I'm like, you want to like, when it gets too tough, I'm just like, well, I can look at my Tibet photos on the camera. Uh, do you want to see this amazing wonder of the world that like has only been open to Westerners for about three years? I got photos right here, you know, just, just to, to bring people down a little bit before, before they start throwing punches. And the thing is too, that, that, uh, I am I am very impressed at so many of the people, many of whom are much younger than we are, who are, you know, fierce and dedicated and and no strangers to this. And my God, I'm so glad they're there and they give me hope. But it's also like there is there. It, it's a feeling I have a lot of times. Um, and I, I don't know if you get it about the podcast, mm. but I used to sometimes get it about like the Hidden Almanac and whatnot. And I certainly get it books when people write me letters and say, this thing really helped me that you did, or I got help because of this thing you're doing, or because yeah, you talked yeah, about yeah, yeah. your mental illness, I went and got help, or I couldn't fall asleep and Reverend Mord, I would, you know, and yeah. I am torn between being enormously flattered and enormously grateful I was in a position to help, and terrified because there should, should have been so many like layers of of places to get help before you get to me. And I I find it 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 interesting because when I get stuff about hidden almanac it's always kind of joyful and very unexpected and confusing. When I get it about productivity alchemy. And I did get a letter from someone who was like I have a 4-hour commute and I'm so glad I found this and I, and uh, you know I'm listening on my drive and I'll read the whole letter uh in about 2 weeks. I find that sort of thing like valid validating because that's why I do this podcast. Oh, absolutely. Right? But people who who would write into us about the hidden almanac flattered, baffled and embarrassed. Uh people who write in about It was a good embarrassed, but it was a oh jeez. Yeah. yeah. Um People who write in about Kevin and Ursley cheap being like a lifeline or something. I'm like, well, our pain is serving a purpose. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, but I, it's it's usually people yeah. who who I, I get notes, you know, even still mm-hmm. saying a thing happened. Um, okay, like years and years ago, way before we did any podcast. Oh yeah, um, I had a breast lump. Oh and yes, boob scared mouse. the a boob mouse. Yes. yes. Scared the ever-loving crap out of me. Um, I called it boob mouse because it was about the size of a mouse. It, <laughs> obviously, it was a cyst because, you know, if you suddenly discover, a, if you get cancer that size, generally life has taken a very dark turn. Um, it, it very rarely gets that big before you notice something is wrong. But right. this was a cyst um, and uh, the boob mouse. And I was like, okay, this is terrifying. All right. Well, let's talk about it. And I had because it's what we do. Uh, yeah, and I had someone write in to say I literally did not know until you re- talked about this that you could get any kind of lump in your breast that wasn't cancer. Yeah, and I'm like, oh god, oh god, the entire educational system has failed. Health has failed. Your doctors have failed. Your female relatives have failed. So many things had to cascadingly fail for me to be where you learned this. That I, I, I and it, it, it t- it's like, I, I, uh, because I know what a complete fragile reed and weirdo <laughs> I am and, and how haphazard everything I do is to have me be the point where like, 
something catches it's like it's like if you were sliding off a cliff and you had hold of a rope and you had 50 bolts in the ground and every bolt pulled out and then the rope was caught on a dandelion. I am the dandelion. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, Jesus, you know, no, no, this isn't a story about how a dandelion saved you. This is a story about how 50 bolts failed. Oh, yeah, my right? God. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 okay, part of this is, of course, you know, the, the tendency to devalue one's own work and everything because <laughs> I know that in some regards it's – we are better positioned to give advice than, uh, you know, we, we were the dandelion in the right place, maybe. But it's knowing that I am just a dandelion, I'm always like, oh, God, the bolts broke. Why did the bolts break? <laughs> right. And so when I go to these protests... I see a whole field of dandelions and there and you can't kill dandelions and we keep popping up but oh god we we are such fragile individuals and we're all here and we're what's standing in front of the bulldozer and that th- there should have been so many bolts before you got to us yeah and so it's it's a kind of it it, it is a stressful it is stressful to be a dandelion in these times i just <laughs> take my role very seriously of of standing on our side and being a witness and talking people down when they need to be talked down and taking photos and taking photos it's, well that's part of being a witness as far as i'm concerned yeah it's uh, yeah and yeah it's it's all very strange this is this is not a point i expected to be at in my life and a lot of that is a great deal of privilege talking because Obviously, there's a lot of places where people knew this was coming and people who have had to deal with this at every point in their life. So, and, you know, I'm a cis straight white woman. Geez, other people really got it bad. But at the same time, this was really blindsiding. And we, I mean, I'm used to protests where the enemies are the cops. I'm not used to protests where the enemy is standing over there and once everybody dead and has guns it's very unsettling <laughs> yes so that's kind of and maybe once that's done you know i'll feel more creative in other ways maybe it's something else entirely maybe i don't have enough iron in my diet i don't even know do but, i need to up your iron supplements I, again no i need to go to a different iron supplement i need to go to the one that's oh, uh, that's i haven't been able to find it Okay, yeah, I need the one that's the capsule full of iron filings, not the pill. Yeah, I... Because all the pill does is turn my poop black, and then I assume I'm going to die. Yeah, we should uh, should look for that then. I haven't found it. I've been looking for it, because I I know you preferred that one and i guess if that one's more effective then yeah well the thing is that i hate the other one because it makes it gives me terrible indigestion and everything else but i think that's how the only way to know it's working well all right then because otherwise all of the little black iron filings are just coming out in the toilet and uh well the first time that happens that's pretty unsettling internet i believe believe i believe you on that one <laughs> yes i believe you, you on that one so uh, that was a little more information than you needed, Internet, but uh, that's that's the state of my life right now. Confederate protesters and black poop. So, hey, I've got this great interview. With <laughs> Hi, our, Tango. With How our was that Tango. segue? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, Tango, we've known Tango, I've known Tango now for uh, pretty much the entire time we've been together. What, 11 years? Yes, years? I knew him before that. Um, yeah. He 
was instrumental at getting me a guest of honor gig in at Technicon in Blacksburg, Virginia. Yes. Where I was on a stage with George R. R. Martin, and I was wearing pretty much bondage leather. That was a very strange thing, and the photo still haunts me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, Jesse's a great guy. He's part of our D&D group. He works security with me at conventions. He is the head of uh, crowd management at Midwest Fur Fest, which is not a Dorsai event, but... It's Chicago. Basically, if you ever yeah. wondered who makes the elevators show, uh, who, who makes sure people can get on the elevators and that, like, you know, it's not just a sudden lunging free-for-all. At yeah. least at Midwest, yeah. So uh, I had a great talk with him, and I am really happy to share it with everyone else right after this. I'm here with my friend Jesse today. Jesse is part of my D&D group, uh, has worked with me at conventions for literally years, and is one of the first people I met and became friends with doing conventions with Ursula. So I'm really excited to have you on today, dude. Um, so introduce yourself a little better than I just did, and tell us a little bit about what you do. So hello, fellow Productivity Alchemy listeners. I'm Jesse Stringer. I also go by Tango. I am in my professional life a level two tech on a level one IT help desk for a major telecommunications corporation. I spend most of my day managing the queue. When I'm not working in IT help support resetting people's passwords, I staff furry conventions, I coordinate local furry events, I am a published author who considers himself more of a writer than an author. And I have a podcast. <laughs> Sounds familiar. Oh, and you're part of this crazy D&D group that does yeah. things every so often. Uh, I th we're at 10 or 11 years uh, in about like two that. weeks. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of nuts. It really is. So with all this going on, and I know you also have your own D&D campaign, so you're, you're a, 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 a gamer too. Uh, what, or how do you keep yourself organized with all this going on? So how I keep myself organized at work versus at home is different. And then there's what I use to kind of merge the two as needed. Okay. <laughs> uh, at work, I work in an office that, or an environment that lives on Microsoft. So it's Outlook. It's Outlook's to-do list. It's shared calendars, it's SharePoint calendars, it's Microsoft Teams, which I both like and dislike for different reasons, and getting everything going through there. Most of my job, if I'm not managing the queue, is taking calls, but sometimes mm -hmm. it's the, this is going to take 45 minutes, I don't have that time, or the person doesn't have that time, and I have to throw something on a calendar. Right. Um, schedule it. For sure. Yeah, schedule it, and as a bonus... I'm in Colorado. Most of the users are on the East Coast, but they can be anywhere in the U.S. 
I work 10 to 7 my time. I keep getting East Coast people who want my help at 9 in the morning their time. And I'm like, I'm getting out of bed then. Probably. I, yeah. <laughs> and your mountain time. Yep. So like, mm-hmm. here's the, it's like, here's my calendar. Yes. I've blocked off my actual work hours kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. 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 Um, for personal life, I think I currently maintain three or four Google calendars, have my husband's calendar shared with me, have the friends that he's and goes, hangs out with frequently and their calendar shared with me. So I can look and go, Oh, they're looking at camping in two weeks. I won't schedule that then. <laughs> Nice. And then when it comes to uh, merging things, hey, Siri, remind me when I get home, blank. Hey, Siri, remind (laughs) me when I get to work, blank. Hey, Siri, start a break timer. Mm -hmm. Is is your phone right now popping up going, uh, what? (laughs) No, because I disabled it to respond to, hey, Siri, unless I'm pushing a button. Okay. I used to do a regular event in Guild Wars 2 with a group online and chatting in TeamSpeak, and we had a Sari, a Sari, and someone else (laughs) whose name sounded similar, and the number of times any of us could suddenly trigger Siri Mm -hmm. trying to get somebody to, can you please go chase that abomination before it blows up and ends this event? (laughs) Fair, fair. So you've you've got... um... So you've got your the the uh, uh, Siri assistant doing things like adding to. Uh, so you're using like the Reminders app on iOS to sort of augment everything else. Yep, um, because while I do have a work phone, it stays in the bag with the laptop, mm-hmm. or it sits on the desk at work. It doesn't know where I live. It doesn't know where home is. Whereas my personal phone is trained to respond like i did like the update in i think it was ios 12 Mm -hmm. i know i didn't get it till i got the iphone 10r it learned that i frequently set a 12 minute timer at a certain point Mm -hmm. and then i could just call it a break timer so i don't have to try to get it to understand 15 minute versus 50 minute when i try to set a lunch timer right 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 right. um that's kind of nifty Yep, and like I love this feature. I need to figure out how to make it prompt slightly more often. <laughs> right, 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 right. I have two different lunch timers that I have mm-hmm. to base around by the on am I staying in the office and just being lazy and sitting in the comfy chair in the lobby mm-hmm. or am I like going to run an errand because any errand I want to run I need the timer to go off 5 minutes earlier to get back on time. <laughs> right, 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 right. Cool. Um so are there any other any other tools you use to keep yourself organized? Uh, um, I, I do use Habitica, but it's mostly as a reminder for mm-hmm. daily things. Did I take all my pills? Did I achieve my walking goal? Uh, Habitica's biggest reminder to me right now is the goes off every five days, charge my Fitbit. Ah, yes. <laughs> Which normally I find the next morning when I'm going to go, it's like, oh, I was supposed to charge my Fitbit yesterday. Fortunately... I've left myself a window, so. Right, right. I just have the. Uh... And then the next. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, the next thing that happens is, hey, Siri, remind me when I get to work, charge the Fitbit. <laughs> I have a, a, because I have one of the verses, I have a dock right next to my um, 
bed on my bedstand, and it is taped down so that Sergey the cat can't knock it off because he likes to keep things clear. Uh, but when it starts to say, "Hey, you're running low on battery," I can just slap it in there. Yeah. So I have two of the charging things for my. I've forgotten what model of it, but I've got right. Uh, but I keep one at work and one at my desk here because it takes thirty to forty-five minutes to charge, and sitting still at work is not a problem. I like the sleep timer, so I try not to charge it at night. But yeah, like if it's charge day on a Monday, the odds are pretty good I'm going to charge it when I get home to rejoin D and D. Yeah, right. Because um, I'm going to sit here for a time. Yeah, I I actually do have a second charger that I keep in my travel bag. Um, and I, I've, I've talked about this before, how I have, uh, at this point, I think I have basically two of everything, one that stays home and one that just stays in my luggage, so that when I get somewhere, I'm reasonably certain I haven't forgotten anything. I have a USB hub. Yeah. Except it's not, it's just a charging hub. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It doesn't provide data to anything right. that stays in my travel stuff. Yeah. The charger that lives at work goes with me if I know I'm going to need the charger on the trip. Right. Um, I only have one reliable charger for the small Bluetooth headset I use <laughs> normally. Uh, the the off-brand ones I bought are super picky about how is this sitting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I make a point to find it and take it with me, especially at a convention where – I'm going to need to be able to answer my phone and answer a radio and still talk to somebody. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, I did find that my newest pair of, or my last two pairs of Bluetooth headphones are uh, micro USB. So suddenly it's like, oh, there's one special cable I don't have to take with me because I have like three micro USBs and two USB Cs and all that in my bag already. The one that I used to listen to music or mm-hmm. watch movies on planes uses the micro USB, mm-hmm. but the one I really, the Bluetooth, I've got two Bluetooth headsets. One stays at work in case mm-hmm. our phones go down and I have to connect to my work f- cell phone. Right. But the uh, the Plantronics one has a proprietary connector and yeah. is honestly the better behaved one. Of course Because I know you guys in D&D could tell the difference in the last two sessions when I was using the one headset where it's like, Mute is hold down the volume up and volume down button simultaneously versus mute is tap this button. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's that's one of the things I should probably explain. Uh, you, um, because of your hours and it's the slow time, you're, you're on team speak for the game in between calls in the evenings. I hope none of your coworkers are listening who don't know this. Um, I have one coworker who is around when it happens. Yeah. And she's currently out on medical leave and I will be teaching the new coworker in about a week. Yeah. Uh, though I won't be doing the game while he's there. Yeah. So the, the whole thing around that is that then you're maintaining that connection on your cell phone until you hit the dead zones, until you get home where you then are able to rejoin the game. It's, it's, from a logistics point as a GM, and I'm sure as a player, and I think everybody who's listening can understand that, it, I, I find your dedication amazing, but uh, it, 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 it's a hassle for, for you, but we, at least we have somebody who can cover for you when you can't actually be on the game. Yeah, so. uh, and my current character being much simpler to cover than my druid of eight years. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's much um uh, and 
for those of you who who may or may not have been listening for a long time, we also play D and D five E is the system we use, and uh, it is much easier for you to play someone else's character when they're out under five E than it was under four E, um, which is what we were playing before. Yep. So, and we had my schedule didn't get wonky while we were on four E. So, yeah, fortunately. So all that being said, all right. So that's that's a lot of stuff. Um, yeah. So now systematically through all of that, and we talked a little bit about when we talked about Habitica, and we were talking about Siri. Siri um, are there any uh, systems that you're using to to maintain that, or, or important habits that go with it? Uh, so because I work at a job where unlike my husband and a lot of his friends and a few of my other friends, I can't just go, oh, I've finished my work or I've finished my project. Let me take tomorrow off. I have to plan those in advance. Right. I Planning is a big thing for me. I, I have to plan around, okay, I know exactly when my vacations happen every year because I know when the conventions are every year. Yep. Uh, in my current role with my company, I'm unusual not only in being the only level two technician on a level one help desk, mm-hmm. but I am the only person who, if I take time off, someone must change their schedule to cover me. Gotcha. Um, mm-hmm. And until some recent staffing changes, not only did we have the general rule of no more than two of us can be scheduled off at the same time. Mm-hmm. There were two very specific people on my team that if they were off, I couldn't take the day off either. Right. One being the person who was covering me and one being the level three tech who is my counterpart and opens the desk mm. to my closing the desk. Because you don't take both your senior people out at once if you could avoid it. Nope. Uh, so a lot of that has been like juggling. Hey, coworker, morning coworker. I know you were talking about a big vacation. When is that happening? Hey, evening coworker, anything on your calendar? I want to take a day off at this window kind of thing. Yep. And Uh, uh, around the convention vacation time scheduling thing, uh, I have seen, at least in, in one of my prior jobs, they were like, what do you mean you have vacation time scheduled out? two, three years in advance. Like, well, I know the convention schedules and I know I'm going to have to be off that weekend and they've published the dates therefore. And everybody's looking at me funny. And I'm like, yeah, I, I try to keep my, my time off schedule, uh, or at least the plan time off schedule, at least a year up to date a year in the future. Yep. And like with my current team, I'm confusing people because I don't try to take, Thanksgiving off or Christmas yeah. or any of those big holidays, except really uh, the convention that I'm probably not making it to next year around the 4th of July. Oh, Anthrocon. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it's not because I'm not enjoying Anthrocon. It's because Anthrocon used to be a four hour drive and now it's a four hour flight and Pittsburgh is not a cheap airport. No, it is not. Um, yeah. Uh, to, to go with planning, I, I write a lot of things down, whether that's – okay, calling it writing it down. That could be, hey, Siri, remind me of blank. Uh, that right. can be going into the reminders. I play Pokemon Go. 
I try not to open gifts if I don't have a gift to send. And so literally there's a reminder with no date as to when to go off that says last gift sent to. Oh, wow. And I just update it every time. <laughs> you're, uh, you're, you're ahead of me. I, I am at the, the, I do a sweep about once a week where I go through looking to see who hasn't sent me a gift that has opened theirs. Cause I have a hundred and some odd friends now. And so if you haven't sent me a gift, I'm going, and you're expecting one from me, I'm going to miss it. Totally going to yeah. miss it. Yeah. Uh, basically I will send a gift. If I have a gift to send, I go down the list until I run out of gifts and then I send them again. Right. Yeah. Um, and then because of the hours I work and the location of both where I work and where I live, uh, being in the mountains of Colorado, I don't get access to a lot of Pokestops until the weekends usually. Right. So it's like, okay, I've restocked. Let me send everything on the weekend and mm -hmm. here we go. Yeah, I I pass enough on the drive to and from Jacob's school to be able to use a gotcha to, to automatically spin or a, a, a Pokeball Plus. And so whichever automated thing I have on me is auto-spinning stops and collecting gifts. So, Makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but making a note mm -hmm. uh, of things into a calendar, yeah. occasionally onto a piece of paper, though that's a hazard. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Which piece of paper did I put that on? The phone is with me. Um, and at which point, hey, Siri, remind me of Blake. Normally the challenge is looking at it and going, what do you think I said? This sentence makes no sense. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, the other thing I find helps me as a habit mm -hmm. keep things productive and organized is I'm very big on communication, frequent, clear communication. I am the only non-supervisor on the outage communications team at work. Right, 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 right. Uh, and we have a rotating schedule and like I am the primary one week, the backup the next week. And then I have three weeks off. Mm -hmm. But since I'm the person who closes the help desk, I'm basically a universal backup. Right. Uh, but it's my job to go as a side effect of the person managing the queue. Oh, we just got five tickets for system 10 and it's not working. Hey team that supports system 10, system 10 is not working. It's doing this. Okay, we're on it. Ten minutes later, can you please send a message that's going to take at least an hour? Okay, hang on. Let me put the draft together. Send this to them. But that keeps the stress for my team down because we stop getting tickets. We stop getting talls. And yeah. we can focus on the things that let us fix things, mm -hmm. which enables us to be productive and not uh, shoveling tickets, drowning in a fire, whatever. Right. So that we get stuff done. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a system migration where we moved 2,400 users on the back end from Exchange to Office 365 recently. And despite testing done by corporate, the specific various security updates to Office that most of the people had did not play well. Of course with Office 365. And so what we got is their back end moved, their phones updated with everything they needed. But if you tried to open Outlook in Office 2013, it asked for a username and password, and it would not accept any combination of it because it wasn't talking to the system right. Right, right. And we spent two weeks basically manually updating people to Office 2016 that mm -hmm. we couldn't put on 
365 yet on the front end because it would break another piece of software that's not ready for that migration. Yep. Yep. And we had to, as a team, split that responsibility. Mm-hmm. Four people were focused on, all right, we're just going to do the updates that take mm-hmm. 30 to 45 minutes. One person handled all the phone issues that were still hangouts. And I literally spent my entire day going, this ticket doesn't go here. This ticket doesn't go there. This mm-hmm. ticket goes over here. You have a problem of you need me to add someone to a mailing list. Done. Yeah. Uh, I've currently closed 60% more tickets than the next person on my team for this month. Mostly credited to two weeks of hell at the beginning of the month. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, but th- that I think that's Im- important. And as as you get bigger teams or, or multiple teams or teams in multiple time zones, you, you do really need someone to triage or someone to make sure that no one's getting overloaded. And that's something, at least at my company, we're acutely aware of. And again, we try to do a, uh, try to work out a rotation where that's possible. Like on my team, I have a week of being uh, the primary contact for, uh, we need to add capacity, a, a, uh, a capacity plan failed, um, you know, all that sort of thing. And then, like three weeks off to focus on other things. Um, so, if we, yeah, at my office, if we look or in my job, we look back to about mm-hmm. June of last year. Yeah, I had been on the team eight months. Mm-hmm. It had only been the team had only been live for the entire company for eight months, and what I was seeing in my position as the last person in is I keep coming in to three hour old tickets when we're expected to acknowledge things in two. And I'm looking and going, I think system five broke for an hour right. this morning. Is it better yet? And no one would know. Uh-huh. Uh, we don't, we'd like, we didn't even know it was down because mm-hmm. we'd been pushing so many people to put tickets in because that was a massive change for some of the areas. Yeah. Yeah. But they wouldn't call to tell us big things were broken. They just yep. put in tickets. That we didn't necessarily see. Uh, so I lobbied for a queue management, queue management function. Mm-hmm. The first experiment we did didn't work so well. Yeah. Uh, but for Q4 last year, mm-hmm. we went from hitting, like acknowledging tickets in our two-hour SLA mm-hmm. at 62% to 95%. Right. And the change was instead of three or four of us do, trying to just, like roll through the queue every two hours. Mm-hmm. It was a different one every time. The two senior techs just split our day. Like, okay, unless the calls are backed up, the level three guys managing the queue when he comes in until mm-hmm. he goes to lunch, which is when I come in. Right. And it's made a massive difference in resolving system outages, etc. And that helps keep everyone productive. And so what we've lobbied for going forward mm-hmm. in I have a supervisor, a director, a senior director, and sadly the <laughs> vice president that's no longer with us, his support is making that a full-time function. Right. And it's a job I want to get into. Yeah. I, and I find it interesting that that one of the places that um, that people seem – that companies – I'm not going to say people, but companies seem to miss out on is that as they grow and as these workloads grow, you need – you can't just hire a manager to manage the people. Um, there's processes and there's workflows and like one of the big things that was, was really 
missed for a long time at one of my jobs was that the volume of things coming in, there was no management around that. There was no time. So it was just expected. Everyone was in there grabbing the next thing the entire time they were on shift. And it became apparent as that work went from, I mean, like exponential growth levels, that that was no longer sustainable, um, especially when people started burning out. But that also took some some management changes as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. And our sales time, or sorry, mm-hmm. our sales side uh, reconfigured a bit about a year and a half ago and introduced a position called campaign manager. And it's mm-hmm. it sounds important because the word manager's in the title. Right. And it's an entry-level position. Yeah. It really is. But what they do mm-hmm. is manage things yep. campaigns specifically yeah where are uh, the where, where are we sending out uh emails to and what's the response rate and uh when's the next one due out and it's not a people manager position it's really a process yeah it's position. you you get interesting variations in titles mm-hmm. where okay we used to have a manager for the national help desk mm-hmm. and that person got promoted and the position is not so much vacant as non-existent as the moment. Right. Um, But like it was written as NHC manager or national help center manager as his title. However, no one wanted to write campaign management manager (laughs) for the other person. (laughs) So the counterpart on the campaign management side Mm -hmm. is the manager of campaign management, which is how you get, weird job titles to begin with because it sounds redundant if you don't do it right (laughs) yes yeah that's yeah please please excuse ernie in the background i don't know if anyone else can hear him um he thinks he is dying because uh i am locked in a room and he's not allowed in but if i let him in there will be chaos also i'm pretty sure he thinks he needs to go outside um and I can't let him go outside unsupervised. Usually when he's like this, he goes outside, he sniffs something, and then he's like, I'm going to sit here for a while. So um, I will apologize from this, what sounds like a hound. If someone hears it, what sounds like a hound dying in the background, he is not actually dying or in great pain. He's just uh, feeling a little needy because I'm the only adult in the house right now. Um, when Ursula gets back from the errands she's running, I'm sure it will calm down. <laughs> And say, I'm not being visited by a cat because the cat's been fed and the cat being uh, 17 and yeah. a half almost doesn't go up and down the stairs more than he needs to anymore. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I remember I remember when at least one of my cats got that way. So anyway, back on track. Um, yep. Uh, any other any other systems or habits that uh, that you think are important in all this? Nope, those are those are really it. The the communication, mm-hmm. the the documentation, the getting stuff where it needs to go quickly so you can focus on getting your own stuff done. Yep. Yep. So that leads to the question with all of that kind of sorted, how do you decide what to do first every day? So at work, this is relatively easy. Uh unless I have walked into a system outage, which some days happens for like two weeks at a time. And of course, managers or other people are in meetings. So it's my turn to figure out the system out and send a message out. My first priority is that because people on the East Coast like to answer my emails and tell me, yes, it's working. No, it's not. 
five hours before I ever get into the office, my step one is to look at my giant stack of emails and go, all right, I can close that one. I can close that one. You, I've got to escalate. Uh, oh, that looked important. Oh, I've got a meeting in 10 minutes. That's new. Yeah. Let's have the meeting. <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, you're also really like, in an interrupt-driven job. Yeah. Yeah. Or rolling through our team's chat history to realize that we had a system go down and come back up. There's a master ticket for something else, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, my second priority is any early morning appointments. And then my focus for the first half of my day at work is managing the queue. Right. Walk in. There's two hours worth of tickets. Some days that's 10 tickets. Some days that's 50. Right. But I could look at it and go application other application okay mm. what that doesn't have a category is not working because i have 20 application right. other tickets right does anybody else know this is down great master ticket shunt mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. notify people there's a problem uh in my mm-hmm. personal life step one is what is impacting somebody else right because if it impacts someone else i want to get it off my plate and done. Mm-hmm. Um, some days that is all right. I have started running a furry, fursuit friendly mini golf meet. Okay. Because we've had a very successful bowling meet out here and we also have a very successful club takeover meet. And they happen right. on the same weekend in alternating months. Okay. But there's also <laughs> other smaller events going on mm-hmm. that draw reasonable crowds right and i try to coordinate so that i'm not scheduling things on top of them and Mm -hmm. so it's me poking someone and going hey fox i know you're having the two meets at your house every month do you know which weekends because i'm trying to schedule a thing Mm -hmm. and you and i draw the same group of people right right right, 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 (laughs) to include we draw each other to our events therefore (laughs) uh getting around that Um, after that it's what has a deadline deadlines are important um in my role as the director of crowd control for Mm -hmm. the largest furry convention in the world currently uh currently yeah um that's midwest fur fest in chicago for people wondering we realized after last year that it was no longer going to be reasonable for us to mm-hmm. rent stanchions and chains and bins to transport them around in because the prices were going up. The quantity we needed were going up and for a thousand dollars more than what we could rent them for, we could buy them. And then, and that, that pays off because if you look over uh, at the, the cost over time uh, you've actually saved money over the course of like five years because it's yeah. a one and done. Yeah. 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 I mean, it was the, we went from needing a hundred to 200 ish. Mm-hmm. And like, we tried to get 200 last year and discovered our, our primary supplier who I would later learn is the only one with even remotely that quantity. Yeah. Doesn't have 200 of a given type. They had 140. Oh, uh, they had. And so that, first year that we needed 200 of something mm-hmm. they gave us the upgraded model at the lower model's price which was one third of the higher model's price Ooh. but uh we needed three to four hundred for this year yeah 
that's ten and a half thousand dollars. Where mm-hmm. at eleven thousand, I could buy the stuff. Yep, and then, and then you've just got it, and it comes out of the warehouse. Yep, and we just had to pay for storage. Yep. Uh, but Which, that in had theory, a deadline that for. I was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, juggling. Mm-hmm. When do I need to get these ordered by? Where do they need to go? Uh, like, and I don't know. I have a deadline coming up soon. Once Midwest Refest has a schedule up, mm-hmm. I have to go through, determine what my team needs to be aware of, where I need people, and then put my team's schedule together. Yep. All in a relatively short period of time, and that's when I start having to do constant stuff for the big staff meetings because those staff meetings are start rolling every two weeks mm-hmm. and my deadline is I have to have stuff done before the staff meeting so I can communicate it. Right. Yeah. After that, it's what works best for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause the only other thing I have that has a regular deadline is my podcast, which needs to be recorded and ready to go by 10 a.m. Mountain time on a Sunday, most days. Right. And if it doesn't, I work it into the story why it's late. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, and and I think it's it's important to kind of uh, emphasize. I have very specific, except for Kevin and Ursley Cheap. I have ve- I I have done very specific release times so I can communicate those clearly so that people know what to expect. It has bitten me in the butt a couple times where like. Um, I was late getting a hidden almanac out and one of our listeners is like, where's the hidden almanac today? Uh, on the other hand, that expectation has helped me when something has gone wrong and somebody's like, isn't there supposed to be an episode today? Oh crap. I messed up the scheduling or why isn't that there kind of thing? Yeah. I've done that. I've mm-hmm. accidentally scheduled two episodes to go off at 10 at night instead of 10 in the morning. Done that. Yeah. Um, uh, but I don't currently have enough listeners to make that, Scary? Yeah. A wild husband appeared. (laughs) Yeah. And then was just like, disappear. Okay. Um. Um, But that's really the only Mm -hmm. continuous deadline thing I've got on a recurring basis. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nothing was as shocking for a lot of listeners as the time I think I scheduled. uh, I I was using... um, I was doing a different method of uploading things, and I think I put KUEC on the uh, uh, Kevin and Ursley Cheap on the Productivity Alchemy feed, uh, which was awkward. Um, <laughs> I have I have since streamlined so that I can't do that again, or at least I've changed my processes so I can't do that again. Um, still awkward. It's like, yeah, I've done all this work and everything's there, and then somebody's like, "Why is this showing up in my Productivity Alchemy?" Th- oh, 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 sorry. If you're not subscribed to both, I'm really sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Say, I think I had an idea for a second one, but because I'm not getting a lot of listeners to the mate, the first one, I'm not going to do the second one at this point, but their naming scheme would be different. And so the files would never get crossed that easily. It it wasn't the files crossing. It was the UI in Libsyn. Uh, I had gone to check something in Productivity Alchemy. I had clicked over to the tab for that. I had done that, and then I had forgotten to switch back to KUEC. And my workflow on KUEC is I log into Libsyn, and it's already on KUEC, and I didn't double-check that one time. And uh, excitement was had by all. 
So I missed that one apparently. Yeah, I didn't was, get the wrong download. I got the fix. It was it was early on in uh, the productivity alchemy stuff, um, and it didn't go through the uh, WordPress site. It was if you would subscribe directly on Libsyn. Ah, uh, whereas yeah. I have everything pulling in through an app. Yeah, yeah, which is going to go to the main website. Blah blah blah. So um, there's all that. Now, let me think. Um, anything else on deciding what to do first? Nope. Okay. My process for those is straightforward. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Let's see. Uh, habits, what to do first. Uh, well, actually, no. There's one minor thing I could think of. Okay. Uh, because I live 25 minutes from mm-hmm. like the interstate in one direction, it's a 15 to 20 minute drive to any grocery store, right? that kind of thing. And if I want to go to say a bigger grocery store, like mm-hmm. Costco, yeah, or if I want to go to a grocery store with better quality and reasonable price and good prices, like say Trader Joe's, which are both 45 minutes to an hour away because mm-hmm. of where I live. Sometimes what do I do first is what is the logical route so I don't have to backtrack six times. Right, 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 right. Um, the number of times I have literally opened Google Maps and goes, how does this make sense? Yep. I I understand that one completely living in um, uh, living in a rural area about 30 minutes outside of all the major metropolitan areas uh, here in North Carolina. Um and so, yeah, sometimes it's like I need to run this specific errand, which is on the other side of town uh, or, you know, in town proper. What else can I get done either on the way there or on the way back so that I don't have to make multiple trips? Yep. You know, and, I, and I've done that, like remembering there's now four Trader Joe's mm-hmm. and if I need to go out of my way to something else and I still want to go to Trader Joe's, is there a Trader Joe's closer to my destination? <laughs> right. Yeah, is is there is there something that I can that needs to be done that is is that I don't have to go to a specific location for? Exactly. You know? Yeah. Although then you get those fun ones where like uh I don't know if if yours does this but um Trader Joe's are pretty universal but sometimes like the one by um Lizard Beth's work has one or two things that aren't necessarily available at Chapel Hill or, or the other or the carry location. You can tell we're in the Triangle RTP by the, the town names or Durham or whatever. And so it's like, do I have to go to that one? Can someone pick it up for me? Blah blah blah. It's it's more things like uh, maybe not Trader Joe's, but like um, uh, the grocery stores. And dear God, I know this doesn't impact you and maybe not a lot of our listeners, but the liquor stores. Um, you know. So amusingly, mm-hmm. that is the about the only time that is an issue. Really? In the state of Colorado, mm-hmm. a given chain of grocery stores, mm-hmm. only one instance of that store is allowed to sell the hard stuff ah, inside the store. Gotcha. So like there's one Costco that sells the hard stuff. Mm-hmm. Most of the rest of the Costco's have like over where like you might have the tire center. There's still a tire center, yeah. but there's a liquor store that functions as a separate entity. Yep. Yeah. 
And this happens across the entire state. Uh, well, because we have the state-run liquor stores here, um, sometimes it's up to the individual manager. There's a, a, a statewide schedule of what is available, blah, and the prices being set and things like that. But if I want, um, if I need to go to the one with the good whiskey selection, I have to plan an hour to get to that particular liquor store because that manager, uh, the manager and the or the staff there is all about making sure they have uh, a broad variety of whiskeys. Um, uh, there's one actually kind of uh, nearby ish, um, so I don't have to go all the like an hour drive. It's only like a thirty minute drive that. Um, does a lot of uh, bourbons. So not just generic whiskeys, but bourbons. There's one that has an amazing scotch selection, or at least everything that is available in the state, because I guess someone in there has been a scotch aficionado and they get a lot of business that way. So sometimes there's planning around, if I have to go to a specialty store, I have to go to a specific branch of a specialty store because their inventory is going to be very different store to store. Yep. Mm -hmm. So like, I'm not a drinker. Um, Chuck is occasionally Chuck is my husband internet. Uh, right. <laughs> but, uh, you guys on KUEC, not last year, year before yep. had some sort of holiday blend of something in a white bottle. Evan, it was, uh, there's, there was the Evan Williams. Um, it, no, it wasn't Evan Williams. It was, I want to say, um, like a Jack Daniels or a Jim beam, um, apple whiskey. And it was incredibly dangerous because I could drink it like water and I was falling down drunk before like halfway through the episode on that stuff. Yeah. You guys liked it so much. I decided to get Chuck that mm -hmm. for his birthday or Christmas because they're in the same month. Right. I am fortunate that while the liquor stores closest to me do not carry it, mm -hmm. I pass one of the two largest liquor stores in the state on yep. the way to work. It, it opens at 7 a.m. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I walked in and I s described what I wanted and I got pointed in a direction. And then I spent going, I have been in Trader Joe's with less space than this. Yep. I will find it eventually. <laughs> I know what the bottle's supposed to look like by description. <laughs> when we go and I to, found it. Yeah. When we go to states that have BevMo. Which is, uh, if if people don't know, is basically an incredibly. It's a chain that does nothing but alcohol, and they're there. I know they're in Arizona because I've been there, and um, there are other places. It's like, it's a, yeah, it's like a Trader Joe's or a Costco sized liquor store. It's insane. Um, and there's a place in, in Chicago that all of the Dorsai regulars are, are fond of called Binnie's, which is relatively close to uh, uh, where we are for WindyCon. And it's like a pilgrimage for half of us every year. We're going to <laughs> Binnie's. Um, and uh, so, yeah, there's there's that. Um, My Chicago pilgrimage is normally Giordano's. Uh, though call. I am fortunate that a Giordano's now exists here in Denver, the first one outside of Chicago. I'm I'm kind of jealous because Giordano's is is good. I mean, it's still not proper pizza, but it's good. <clears throat> sorry, I'm... sorry, folks. Before we get to the religion, before before it becomes a, a religious <laughs> war, I should say I am I am a New York thin crust person. I know there are um, they I I I can appreciate uh, Chicago deep dish as a style. I will not call you heretics anymore. Um, the only heretics in the pizza world, I believe, are St. Louis. Um, and I 
I, I, okay, I'm, now I have questions. <laughs> just look it up. It's about. It's all about the weird cheese they use. Um, and uh, uh, and Detroit style. I re- I I have learned to enjoy a Detroit style, which is sort of a Sicilian style. But that's I I could go for days on the differences in styles of pizzas. But yeah, <laughs> I moved to Colorado mm-hmm. uh, a little over five years ago. Yep. God, I've been here five years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and was not aware that Colorado had a Colorado style pizza. Oh my! It, generally referred to as a mountain pie because it's not available when you get farther away from the mountains. Oh, it, it, it's a generally a hand tossed, hand stretched pizza. Mm-hmm. However, the crust is nearly an inch thick and fluffy. Okay. And generally, the crust is rich enough that in Colorado, it is a completely normal thing for when your pizza gets delivered to your table, they will come by and they will settle a bottle of local honey on your table with the expectation mm-hmm. that you're going to drizzle the crust in honey and that's your dessert. That's pretty awesome. And I'm going to guess that one of the reasons it doesn't work outside of Colorado is the altitude. Probably. Probably. Interesting. I mean, we've also got good pizza here that does not involve scary thick crust. Uh I've got two local chains that I absolutely love and sadly two different local places that have gone out of business that I rather loved. And those were the two that were a quarter mile away. Yeah, that's always the case, right? Um, I, I think I was I was um, commiserating with someone at, at work who, who – I, I used to live in New York City for those who don't know. And we had a pizza place, a really good pizza place like right around the corner from my apartment. I mean that's pretty much normal but it was like the neighborhood place and it was great. And then – I went in one day and got my takeout, got home, and the pizza was just terrible. And the next time I went in, thinking it was a one-off, I noticed they had cleaned the oven. They had replaced the bricks in the oven. And so everything they had been doing for years to cook, which were used to these seasoned bricks now, were not producing the same quality pie. Oh, that at all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When I lived in D.C., uh, certain friends of ours who wear berets mm-hmm. and are in the Ann Arbor area. They're talking about the, would, he's talking about the Dorsai Irregulars. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> but I'm picking on one in particular ah. because he called me almost repeatedly, Mr. Stein. <laughs> ah, okay. Yeah. Um, DC, despite living in Maryland and Virginia mm. over the course of like eight years, I could not find a decent local pizza chain. Could not. And therefore, my standby mm-hmm. for I want pizza, I don't trust any of these local chains, mm-hmm. is Domino's. Yeah. Uh, and when they reinvented their pizza, they saved themselves. Yeah, no, I, I I agree. For um, the only that we only have two places that del- well, we now have a third chain I haven't tried yet, and I think it's a local chain called Marcos. But we have um, uh, basically up until Marcos opened, we had Domino's and we had Papa John's, and we do not support Papa John's for nope. for many many reasons. Um, even though for a while they had the superior pizza, when Domino's changed their recipe, I was like, okay. Um, I can work with this. And plus, uh, I know a couple of people now we used to order and still do kind of order about once a week from the Domino's. So I've gotten to know the drivers and the cooks knowing who's, who's cooking my pizza and what to expect. And, you know, like 
the, which driver is going to be delivering. And, uh, and, and so even though it's a chain, it's also a local pizza joint because, uh, you know, who's it, involved. Yeah. Uh, unlike big cities, we know you, you, there's a chance to build those relationships or get to know the drivers and the, and the, whatever it becomes much more localized, um, that you can't get in a big city where it like maybe just, uh, here's the teenager of the month who's working his way through high school. <laughs> right. Yep. My tiny downtown has a Baskin Robbins. It is the only chain thing in my downtown. Right. But the first time I went in there, I met the owner and mm-hmm. it's like being in a tiny private ice cream shop. And like one time I went in and she knew me and she knows I love the peanut butter and chocolate flavor. And she got one where the ratio was wrong and the peanut butter chunks mm-hmm. were not only excessive, but like an inch and a half thick at times. Ah. And I absolutely love the peanut butter chunks. Mm-hmm. So I walked out with a significant amount of free ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> but when it comes to pizza, I like pizza and it's yeah. all pizza to me and i have a standard of if you can't do this you're failing at pizza Mm -hmm. that standard is sbarro ah yeah um and there is a chain that seems to replace sbarro at a bunch of uh Mm -hmm. malls and they are failing at sbarro's own style like you are doing the exact same thing sbarro does how are you failing i I, also in the case of the nearest mall to me there's a costco across the street mm. (laughs) Well, the one that got me is that, um, and and I don't know if people realize this, but uh, all right, Starbucks, McDonald's, all of those things, they they work around consistency. Even Domino's, one of the things about consistency, yep. right? If I'm getting a Domino's in Chicago or Colorado or China, in theory, although I don't remember even seeing one in China, um, <laughs> you're going to basically get the same pizza. The same is true with Sbarro's. Or, or, you know, with Starbucks coffee, and, and that, that seemed to hold true, with one exception when it came to pizza, and that is the Domino's in New York City having to compete with all of these local places had really, like the one near my apartment, had really upped their game. And so when I got here and I was getting like, I'm like, yeah, we'll get some Domino's, and, um, and I'm like, this is, this is terrible. And then I realized that even in New York, even in New York – the Domino's pizza has to be better than anywhere else. It it was kind of crazy. I worked on a military base mm-hmm. for a few years. Uh, and this was about the time McDonald's introduced hot chocolate. Oh, yeah. The McDonald's on base. Mm-hmm. Great hot chocolate. Any other McDonald's in the area? Hot chocolate was warm and more chocolatey flavored than Starbucks attempts, but right. it's just like, I'll go to a Dunkin', I'll go to a 7-Eleven. Oh. I'm like, why is the, what's right about the military base? <laughs> Demographics? I don't know. I don't know. We're way off topic, though. <laughs> well, yeah, but that's okay, because I was just about to draw us back in with what's the best advice or feedback you've received. So, amusingly enough, I have a piece of advice to offer and it all ties back to the queue manager thing i mentioned okay the the piece of advice i have to offer is just because the source is bad does not make the advice bad okay 
And I say this because the best piece of advice I have ever received came from a person that I am so glad I missed having as my supervisor by about three months because I would have quit after a week. Ah. Um, she is probably a wonderful person. She gets on my nerves very easily and very mm-hmm. quickly. But the piece of advice she offered got her into her current position and has led to the possible creation of the key management position. And that is build the job you want. That's fair. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. By demonstrating that it's an essential, you know, function mm-hmm. of something, you're going to establish it as something that's willing to be paid for or paid extra for or paid differently for. Mm-hmm. And so I've got, Four levels of management supporting the creation of a queue manager position that I know the other queue manager doesn't want. Nice. Very nice. Um, and, I mean, if you take that and you look at it a bit, that's probably how I got to director of crowd control at Midwest Fur Fest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, there was a need to separate responsibilities. Right. Between... For, that all used to fall under security. We needed two separate groups and I was not enjoying the role I'd been in, in a temporary basis Mm -hmm. uh, as much as I thought I would have. I said, I can do that. I've learned crowd management from working in a theme park and working with the Dorsi. And here we are. I have the third largest department at the con. Mm -hmm. I, I find it interesting Side note, um, the, the two biggest cons that you work and certainly the biggest con I work, um, and in your case, it's Midwest FurFest and MAGFest, and in my case, it's just MAGFest, um, that crowd control, because just managing lines, basically, and checking badges at doors has become its own, like subgroup slash department it because there are so many logistics and they're trying to lump it in with um uh the general security people or um other or having other departments do their own is just uh nearly impossible as i've had to explain it Mm -hmm. to to newer members of my team Mm -hmm. policy enforcement is ultimately the job of all staff right but having to play the reasonable bad guy mm-hmm. is specifically a function of security. Yep. And the people who are good at being a reasonable bad guy are not necessarily good at, I need this line to move over here and stand against this wall and go down to this point, turn around and then stand next to each other coming back this way. And and the same is true of the other people who are really good at directing, and I mean it's directing traffic, um, are not necessarily good at being the reasonable bad guy. Um, yeah. And, and when staffing and scheduling these events, you have to know your people. So you know who, who's good at what. And sometimes you're moving people around at the event because you're finding out that your reasonable bad guy is terrible at line management and your line manager, uh, the line management person is terrible at reasonable bad guy. Or I is, can be okay at reasonable bad guy, but yeah, I'm good at line management. I oh, had yeah. five years in a theme park. Yeah. Right. So, and now I've just explained to myself why I keep getting registration shifts on Thursday at Anthrocon. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly why now. <laughs> yup. Um, yeah. So, and and I believe this is now a permanent change. Um, I'm just, I, I planned for that when I made my notes. <laughs> yep. Yep. I'm just gonna just gonna ask about this one first. Uh, what do you do when you when you miss a goal or when you fail at something? 
Uh, step one is generally, why did I fail at this? Mm-hmm. Um, why can have a wide variety of answers. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I want to look at personal goals as opposed to work goals, because it's really hard to fail at a work goal when my work goals are things like, is the computer working again? Can the user do mm-hmm. stuff again? Either I have either I've succeeded at it or I've escalated it to someone else who could fix it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it's less of a, I've totally failed at this thing there, mm-hmm. but in a personal goal, it's okay. I failed at this. Why did I fail at this? Mm-hmm. And in my world, it's, I didn't put enough effort into it. It took more effort mm-hmm. than I thought it was going to. I got completely mm-hmm. sidetracked by this other thing. Right. Um, if I failed at it more than once, if I'm fine, I'm failing for the same general reason. Mm-hmm. I then reevaluate. Do I even need to be trying this? Right. Because if I keep failing, because I'm not putting enough effort into it, or it's taking more effort mm-hmm. than I have, than I'm expecting. Clearly I have not budgeted my time, effort, energy, etc., to, to accomplish this goal. Right. Uh, if it's, I keep getting distracted by this other thing and it's the same other thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. How do I make that a project? Right. 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 Clearly I'm interested in this. Mm-hmm. What do I do with this? Um, if it is something that's impacting someone else, I find it's important to apologize mm-hmm. to explain, maybe not necessarily in detail because sometimes the details are just going to cause confusion or cause mm-hmm. headache or cause anger especially in my world. Uh, a lot of people see, see if you're, if you're trying to explain why some people start, especially depending on phrasing, some people see it as an excuse and they get really, really short. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're doing the migration network between, you know, exchange and office 365 for email backend. Right. And we've got the one system that needs to, I'll be, we're running a 2011 version of the software. Right, 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 right. Um, and there is a 365 compatible version, and it's being tested. And in fact, we're migrating a bunch of people this weekend. That'll be great, because they're all physically located near me. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that pilot phase has meant that we haven't been able to grant anybody access to that system for the past week and a half. And some people have a new employees who are like, why are they not in this system? What's the status of my ticket? And I'm like, right. well, fortunately this is being handled by another team, but I can tell you it's being delayed because of preparations for updating this system. And then if you want a more detailed explanation, mm-hmm. I'm going to forward your email off to this other team. Right. Um, but when I come in and three out of five days, I have an email from the same supervisor asking about the same thing. Now I'm getting frustrated. Yep. Because I'm like, guys, I know that you don't have to interact with the customers as often as I do, but please interact with the customers. But occasionally you do actually have to interact with customers. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then obviously try to identify steps to prevent failure. Right. Uh, the mini golf thing I run for, for furries is fursuit friendly. Uh, and I put a lot of effort into organizing and trying to find a location that would let fursuits come in and hang <laughs> yeah. out to begin with. Yeah. And uh, the, the first one, we made it through nine holes with 10 of us. 
Okay. And then we abandoned the heat for the inside because That's... it was warmer than we planned. That's fair. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't like it was 95 or 100 or something. But in Colorado, when it's 85 and suddenly it's 30% humidity, which is high for us. <laughs> and 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 we should emphasize that when you're in a fursuit, you're basically walking around in a shag carpet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's like, okay, back inside, get everybody water. Mm-hmm. Uh, found a portable solution for water that the venue was okay with for the second attempt. Uh, got through that one reasonably well. And the third attempt was a, like, it's the last big test run before we make this a public thing. No one wanted water because it was all of 60 degrees. Our new challenge became the first suitors can't see the purple, blue and green golf balls because the sun has gone down too much. <laughs> yeah. It's like the red one, only one person got the pink one. Several people have They're fine. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. New Next. challenge. Yeah. So we know that when we go public, mm-hmm. it's like, all right, it's going to be dark. We encourage you to pick up one of these. Yep. Please bring a water bottle. We will have water of it. Like you identify how you your problems, how you can prevent the problems from happening, and then you wait for the next set of problems. Yep. Because there's always a new problem. There's always a new well, yeah, there's always a new problem. Conventions have taught me there's always a new problem. It's like, we fixed this last year. Well, we fixed how it happened last year. Now we have a new one. <laughs> yeah. Um, sorry, the, the, the shepherd is saying, hey, do you need X or Y? And I'm like, no, I don't hate my neighbors. Um, geese are evil. Is shepherd offering you goats again? Uh, no, guinea fowl, geese, and baby pigs. There was the tweet that went by only in North Carolina. I found a pig. It looks like somebody's pet pig. Is anybody missing a pig? <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that's, that, that happens. Um, there's also, um, our, our farmer, for those of you who are, are vegans, you may want to skip this next bit. Um, uh, our, our, the farmer we buy all our meat from, um, may, it has the best pork and we're asking him, so, so what's up? He says, well, um, our our hog or our our um boar thank you, dear. Oh, boar. boar the boar <laughs> elvis um decided they they had taken in this um uh vietnamese potbelly pig right and the boar bred with her once through the electric fence through the electric ah. fence right um <laughs> And she had a litter, and the litter was okay, and then did it again. And he's like, one, apparently they're very determined. Two, it turns out she's a very good mother. And three, this hybrid Vietnamese potbelly and, thank you, Gloucester Old Spot Heritage combination makes amazing pork. So accidental discoveries. Yeah, accidental discoveries, but it was it was the twice through the electric fence where we, where he was just like, you know, if they're that determined, maybe I should just make it official. <laughs> right? And and I I have no complaints, but um yeah, so uh, no pigs. Uh but yeah, uh, hearing a pig has wandered into my neighborhood, a small pig has wandered into my neighborhood. It is not that uncommon in some rural parts of North Carolina. Um 
around us, we mostly hear about dogs, guinea fowl, um, the occasional cow. I don't get other people's pets because pets mm-hmm. in my area tend to oh, invite. And emu, uh, uh, Ursula's just reminding lights. me there there's an emu loose somewhere in the county. So, and there's no way everybody's like, is it coming to your house? I'm like, no, no emu, emu or dinosaurs. Oh, the emu has passed away. I'm very sad about that. I, I like having the idea of fox f- feathers nowhere near you, so I know yeah. it's not one of hers. I, I was just excited about the concept of, of feral emu in the neighborhood. So, no, no, I get elk, mm-hmm. I get deer. Yep. My friends who are closer to the interstate get an occasional bear because one of their neighbors just constantly leaves the trash cans out. Yep. In five years, I have seen one mountain lion. It was very much a cat, get out of the road. Okay, you're a much larger cat than, oh my god, cougar. Uh, yeah. And apparently we get moose if you're in the right area. <laughs> uh, we had a housemate with a dog. Chuck was taking the dog for a walk and had gone off trail. Yep. And all of a sudden stopped because mama moose, baby moose, reverse. <laughs> yep. The first time we'd actually seen a moose out here. <laughs> Um, all right. Again, we're sort of off topic. I, I blame, I blame Shepard and, and pop-up messages on my phone. I'm gonna put that over there. I was just checking to see if something important, important, but yeah. I killed the noises on my phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forgot to sandwich notifications for something else. That's occasion. I keep getting a pop-up thing in the corner. I'm like, I closed the app, but apparently it does the same annoying thing Skype does. It doesn't oh. actually close when you click the X. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, all right, so that's that's uh, figure out why is it more than once? Is it something you need to be doing? Um, are you giving it enough time? Is there something else that you need to be doing instead? And if whatever it is you have have missed the goal on or failed on, is it impacting others? And what you do about that? Yep. All right. So what about celebrating Second success? Experience. Customer experience there. Yep. Success. I am looking for better ways to accelerate my success. Hey, listeners, this is your chance. Uh, um, I celebrate success, unfortunately, the same way I handle stress, which is I tend to eat. Uh, uh, I celebrate success with better food than I do with stress. But I need to lose weight. I am at one point, I was down 75 pounds since I moved out. Mm-hmm. I got a stationary job and I gained 25 of it back. Right. So I'm still down a net 50 pounds, but I'd like to lose a lot more weight. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I've mentioned, I like pizza. Yeah. And I have several good local pizza places, including the best all-you-can-eat wood-fire-grilled pizza place oh. ever that also serves a beer cheese potato soup. That's evil. It is delicious. I bet it is. Like, yeah. I ignore the rest of the salad bar and I get the soup. <laughs> That's just evil. Oh. Um, yeah. So I need non-food mm-hmm. ways to celebrate. I I do have some goals that are celebrations themselves. Should I achieve the goals? Mm-hmm. Like I am targeting my first ever cruise for 2021. Yay. Uh, and, and making that go off will be a celebration in and of itself. Yeah. Uh, I celebrated three years of marriage. Mm-hmm to my husband and I've forgotten how many years together at that point because my brain does not want to do that math. Yeah. Um, by going to Disney world. Yes. 
Um, I would say I would buy books, except there's a limited number of authors producing books I seem to want to read. Right. Right now, there's a couple of people like, oh, you'd love this. And I get about three chapters in and go, oh, God, no. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, So... I tend to buy those books or acquire them through Kickstarters or acquire them through Patreon. Yep. Uh, and so I keep rereading books, but I'm, I'm looking for better ways to celebrate my successes. Mm-hmm. Like I know if I, I know, <laughs> wait, here's food again. If I get a queue manager position, mm-hmm. I'm going out someplace nice for dinner. Yeah. But I'm looking for better options. Uh, there's not a lot of video games I currently want mm-hmm. uh, because I am not a fan. Like, okay, I love that people love Halo and Overwatch. I'm like, I love the story. Can I make it something that's not a first-person shooter? Because I suck at first-person shooters. Right. <laughs> um, and that seems to be where everyone wants to go as a first-person role-play shooter thing. And I'm like, I like your concept, but... I was going to say, yeah, and a lot of things where it's like, I know I'm going to want this, and I know I'm going to want to reward myself with this, but if I don't pre-order, you know, there there's a lot of, how do I, if it, like, okay, Pokemon Sword and, Sword and Shield is coming up. I know I'm getting it. If I were going to use that as a reward, what happens, yeah. yeah, what happens if I hit the goal before it comes out, um, or more importantly, I, I, this is something I know I'm going to get anyway. Why would I use it as a reward? So sometimes exactly. I, I'm, I'm having that same, that same sort of discussion. What's an appropriate reward or what's a better reward for, for what goal I'm trying to hit? Yep. I mean, I know my, the game, the D and D game I run mm-hmm. was our education for why we don't want to run Pathfinder with our Monday night group. Right. Um, uh, it's not that Pathfinder is a bad system for anyone who is listening. Mm-hmm. It's just that Pathfinder wants you to know your system well, be really targeted for what you want to build, and if you make a mistake, you're punished for it eventually, whether or not you've even realized you made the mistake. And 5e is a bit more forgiving Oh yeah. in that, and I can build a much more flexible character, whereas I've also got a, in my Pathfinder game, I have a fifth level halfling thief with a plus 30 to stealth. Oh yeah. Um, I can see that as a, yeah. God. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he's very good at stealth. He mm-hmm. can't shoot a thing to save his life. <laughs> so he's a thief built for thieving, not for fighting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when he hits something, it's great. And he, mm-hmm. he's improving his things, but his initial build out was, sneaking around and being a thief and it's punishing. So like, okay, I know we're going to switch to fifth ed after Mm -hmm. the next big level up and the next arc on a story. Right. Buying the fifth ed stuff is not a reward. It's something I need to do. Right. Yeah. But what is the reward for successfully transitioning that system? Hmm. Yeah. Because I mean, part of that process is I'm going to have to help the people who are not system heavy, adjust their characters yep and um you got some practice with us on that one anyway oh yeah yeah but i've had to change how many systems for that one (laughs) yeah we tested quite a few systems for that one um before we settled back on on 5e uh so anyway yeah i i i think and i think it's a common thing a lot of people are like what's a what's a better way for me to celebrate my success 
So, um, yeah. So I, I need a like. I know that once I have lost enough weight, mm-hmm. my rewards are there is a tattoo I want. Ah, yeah. Um, you know exactly what the tattoo looks like, but good luck for me trying to explain it to your listeners mm-hmm. because it's the bright orange thing that shows up everywhere I do. Right. Uh, right. I'd like to learn to ski. I am not going to try to learn to ski at my current weight because this will be a great way to make my knees exceptionally unhappy. They are already kind of unhappy. Right. I need to have oh, yeah. less weight so that when I land badly on my knees, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's not destroying my leg. Right. Um, I know what some of my rewards are going to be, but rewards for small things like I got through 400 tickets. The queue has no unassigned tickets. Hallelujah. It's the end of my day and the end of my week. I have no clue how to celebrate this because well, I get ice cream on the way home, Mm. except I don't need ice cream. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or I could do X, but that may not be the healthy choice. And, and I, yeah, yeah, no, I understand completely. I understand completely. All right. Uh, that's everything. Yep. Um, so the next question, where can we find your stuff online and, uh, listen to your podcasts? So if you want to talk to me on social media, your best answers are mastodon.social, Twitter, and Dreamwidth, mm-hmm. where my username is Rebel's Heart. Uh, no, not the Confederate flag kind of rebel. It's a play on I enjoyed the anime Outlaw Star, and I built a whole bunch of silly phrases along the same phrasing as Outlaw Star. And eventually came up with the phrase, within every dreamer's soul lies a rebel's heart. Yep. Um, if you want to listen to my podcast, my podcast is called The Ursatz Echoes of Eastford Harbor. Mm-hmm. It is a fiction podcast somewhat inspired suspiciously by The Hidden Almanac. It is done in the form of a newscast from a fantasy world <laughs> where you've got a person talking about the what are the adventuring guilds or groups doing? What is the strangeness of local politics going on that is affecting things? How is this town that was basically on the edge of everything and fought over for f- several hundred years now suddenly a part of a kingdom growing and surviving? It's that kind of podcast. It's once a week on Sunday mornings, and it is at ersatzechoes.com. Cool. Or on iTunes or Google Play or Spotify. The usual usual suspects, yes. 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 All right. Cool. Um, Well, thank you so much. Glad to be here. And uh, uh, for those of you at home, uh, send in those comments about uh, better ways to uh, celebrate success. And um, also, we'll be right back after this. was really happy to sit down and talk to Tango.
uh, often when we sit down and talk, it's either because we're at a con working or it's around D and D stuff. Right. And so it was, it was great to talk to him and, you know, I want to thank Jesse Tango for spending the time and setting it up and talking about all the stuff he does. Hound, you have cold ears. I, Why are your ears so cold? Because it's not warm outside. I mean, it's warm outside, but it's it's temperature dropping. We are in that weird space in North Carolina's autumn where it's where you need the air conditioner during the day and the heat at night. I uh, yeah. I need you to load up a wheelbarrow full of chicken sand. Okay, we can do that. So. I completely, now I'm trying to figure out how to bridge a wheelbarrow full of chicken (laughs) sand to the badge code for this week. And it's just just If you want to get cool shit, and I want (sighs) cool shit, that's why I want the chicken sand, because it is indeed full of chicken shit. But if you want cool shit, the badge is your way to do it. You can find out more about that online. At the at the uh, the productivity alchemy website, you almost went into Kevin and Ursula. Uh, it's cheap, it's a hindbrain. It really function is. Now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, mm. What is our badge code today? Kevin? So our badge code this week is Tango. 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 All right. And you can just go to productivityalchemy.com, find the little enter badge code here, type it in, and you'll get your badge. When I was very Pretty young, cool. my mother was getting an MFA at ASU, and that uh-huh. meant that we went to a lot of gallery openings. And I I have been to more gallery openings in my life than is probably healthy. And part of this means that I can sense free food or a cheese plate <laughs> basically within about a half mile radius. Like so, a little so I'm waiting goes off. To hear how this ties in. Yes. I remember most of the paintings have all blurred together. Very right. few of them do I retain in any way. But I remember vividly a gigantic canvas, and it was a city scene, and I mean, it was at least five or six feet tall, and certainly like six feet wide. And it was a city scene, and looming over it, two gigantic pigs the size of kaiju on their hind legs, and the title of the piece was Last Tango in Utopia. Okay, then. Yeah. Yeah. So... (laughs) So if you'd like to support Productivity Alchemy, you can do so. I just, yeah. Patreon, Ko-fi, you have options. Go online, check out your options, or tell your friends. If you know somebody who might like it, you should talk to them and say, hey, I know this podcast. We we have a page. There's an item on ProductivityAlchemy.com. There's a menu item that says support that will take you to all of that, the information around... Uh, at least the ways to f- support us financially. Yes, and uh, so we don't have to go through all the gory details here. Yes. We appreciate your support. We really do, and the fact that you listen to our ramblings every week, and my brain is completely broken right now. So. What was that ad? Was it Bartlett's and James that always ended with the guy saying, and thank you for your support? Yes, yes, that was Bartlett and James. Okay. Bartlett and James, yeah, that wine coolers yes. in particular, yeah. So... <laughs> I'm just going to say uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you, Tango, for, for spending time with uh, with me to do the interview and uh, for everybody 
who's listening, whose brain is still functional, because apparently mine has is off the rails right now, and I need to go like reset or something. <laughs> uh, just you guys have a good week and stay productive. Woo! Okay, I shouldn't have said guys. That's that's not inclusive language. I should have said folk. I I admit that. Y'all stay Y'all, productive. Stay productive. There you go. <laughs>